So this morning we are looking at the myth that we believe that is contained in scripture, something that we've heard a lot. Actually, it is the most often misquoted Bible verse, period. The myth is that money is the root of all evil. Clap if you've ever heard that statement, that money's the root. that is in scripture and it actually is not in there. This morning we're going to look at what scripture does say about money and our understanding of it, what we need, what maybe we don't need to do with our money. The examples that I'm going to show you this morning, the negative examples, I'm going to show you my examples because I don't think it is ever my role as a pastor to stand up here and say, you know, let me show you what all these other people do wrong and I do right. So I'm making myself a little vulnerable this morning and showing you some, I have lots of them, weaknesses, especially concerned with money. And then at the end of the message, I'm going to show you a couple of positive examples that are not me, uh, others in the West community, and then we're going to talk about what can we do together. So as we get started, I want us to look at what is it that drives us? This is actually where that myth and that misnomer comes from, uh, our obsession with marketing, with advertising. Uh, do you know how many advertisements we see or absorb in a given day? It may be subconscious, but do you have any idea how many we see in a given day right now? Too many. 5,000. Somebody just said 5,000. That is exactly right. A study, and actually it's an old study done by Yanklovich Research and Marketing Firm, said that the average person is exposed to 5,000 advertisements in one day. And then there was, you know, all kinds of arguments around the research and the data. You can't see that many because you have to see this many a minute and all that kind of stuff. But think about it. If you click on Facebook and you scroll through Facebook, on the right side of the screen, what, what's there? Advertisements. If you do a Google search for plane tickets to Uganda, Pretty soon, you're going to start getting emails from Travelocity, TripAdvisor, good deals on plane tickets to Uganda. I'm like, how do you know? How do you, how do you know that that's what I'm looking for? I haven't even looked on those sites. There is an inordinate amount of time, energy, and money spent on marketing and advertising because guess what? They are tapping into a human desire that we all have. It is a desire for more. You know, the word godliness, contentment, that we're going to talk about a little while later in the book of 1 Timothy, that, the Greek word, our copia, or however you pronounce it, our partia, actually is the correct pronunciation, it means satisfaction. So we have all these marketing companies that show us all these pictures and advertisements, and they make their products look amazing so that what, what will we do? We'll go buy more. It makes us want more. And that's actually the problem, that we're not ever satisfied. I'm going to take you, uh, show you four pictures, and I'm sorry, my mic is not working, really. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. I think it's good. Online. Okay. It's not working online. Ah, oh, okay. Sorry. 
Where am I grabbing a mic? Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. And sorry I mispronounced that Greek word as well because the little screen up here is flashing, grab a mic, and I'm like, my mic's working, so I'm talking while I'm processing, and that never goes well. So anyway, now that I have the microphone, I want to show you four images and sound people. I'll never argue with you again. You do know what you're doing. Sorry. Who is this logo for? Are there any words up there that tell you that? No, you just know it, right? All right, the next one. BMW. The letters are up there, but even if you saw the little symbol, would you know what it was? Oh, yeah. The next one. McDonald's. Yes. And the last one. Starbucks. How many people would love to have a good cup of Starbucks coffee right now? Those are brilliant marketing images. And when we see them, psychologists will tell us that it triggers something in us that recognizes that image and recognizes what it represents. And it stimulates something in us that makes us want more. We are not content as a society, and I'll show you now my own personal example of how that is true. Lance is helping me because it was heavy. Uh, yes, I do. Years ago, when I was at Williamson's Chapel as the associate pastor, I wore a dress every day. When we launched West, we said that the pastor wanted needed to look casual because we believe that the reason that people got dressed up at, in church to begin with was to separate the classes. The rich people wore all the fancy clothes and those who were lesser than in that society during that time, they had to sit in the back or in the balcony and they looked lesser than. So we said when we created West, we were going to play find a place where everyone was comfortable. Well, guess what? If the preacher stands up here in heels and a dress, that makes other people feel like they need to dress up as well. So we decided that I would wear blue jeans. I didn't have that many blue jeans back then, but I want to show you now what goes on in the Smith house. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, no, no, those are for last. Yeah, the side pair are for last. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I didn't ask for any comments while you did this. Fourteen. He whispered gluttony. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. 1920. That's my illustration. Thank you. How many pair of blue jeans did Lance just count up on the chair? 20. All right. Too many. Yes, thank you for that input. Uh, I told you I'd use my own examples for bad. Now let me show you something about these blue jeans. You see what's on these? What? The tag. Yeah. Never worn them. I appreciate the audience participation today. Thank you so much. Um, here's another pair. The, 
I did indeed buy them with holes in them. And yes, there are tags on these as well. But let me tell you about this. So when I first started wearing blue jeans, you know, my figure is that of SpongeBob SquarePants. I do not have a defined waistline. If I would go to the gym for hours, maybe I could, but I really do look like SpongeBob. So I try to find jeans that feel good. I can't stand clothes that are way too tight. And so I went on this quest to find blue jeans. I needed a pair to wear every Sunday. Now, you can say that there are 52 weeks in the year, and I have 20-some pair, so surely I have enough. But they need to be the right kind of blue jean. They need to be a good fit. They need to make me, hopefully, look somewhat thinner than I am in real life. And the camera always adds a few more pounds, and I'm always not very happy about that. So I'm on this quest for the perfect blue jean. Now, I used to pay 10 to $12 for a pair of blue jeans, but I have discovered that sometimes you get what you pay for. So I started shopping at The Gap. Now, many of the pair that you have seen here are from The Gap. They're soft, they fit well, blah, blah, blah. But then I discovered a new brand, Lucky Jeans. Yeah, if you've seen the price tag of Lucky Jeans, I know, but they fit really, 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 really good. So the price tag of $129, hold on just a second now. Listen, if you're worshiping online and cannot hear the gasp of air that just came through the auditorium, I hate you missed that in person. But so hold on. I knew that Lucky Jeans were expensive after I started looking at them, and so I am a bargain shopper. Now look, this pair that has the tag on them, they are $29.97. Now what? Okay, one or two of you went, well, where's the rest of you that just went, for $129 for a pair of jeans? Why did I not get clapping? Because I just got a great bargain. Perhaps there was no clapping because why did I need to buy the pair for $29.97 when I had 20 pair to start with? Then, yesterday. I had a meeting yesterday morning. The meeting went well. I was happy. I thought, you know, I'm going to go run some errands for a little while. I'm going I'm to run over to Publix and Cornelius. And there's this great store at Exit 25 Marshall's Home Goods. And it has all these cool home accoutrements. And they have clothes. Now, it's right before the back-to-school bash. So anytime I'm in a store, I'm scoping out cheap tennis shoes on clearance because we like to give the kids new tennis shoes and pray with them as they receive the pair. And we want to give them quality shoes. And average cost of a pair of shoes is around $15 if we find them on sale. So I really went to Marshall's yesterday to look for bash shoes. I found a ton. Great deal. $12.97 for Levi's tennis shoes. They looked really cool. Filled my buggy to the brim with the tennis shoes. And then as I was walking to the checkout lane, marketing, remember, advertising, I saw this sign on the top of the little stand and it said, lucky. I was like, wow, that's calling my name. They had some shirts and I also have a shirt fetish, but I couldn't bring all these clothes to church this morning. So... They had these. Now look, aren't these nice and, and dark blue? Did you notice I don't have many dark blue pair up here? 
I just have a few. And the price tag on this, $39.99. Thank you. You earned some preacher points today. The bad thing, I didn't even try them on. Well, I didn't want to lug all those shoes around. I told you I had a buggy full of shoes. So I have no idea if these even fit. I can take them back. Thank you very much. And Scott Smith will argue and say that I don't, that he gets to take all the stuff back that I buy and then don't use. How many of us have something, maybe not blue jeans, but have something that controls us? You know, we're taught that money is the root of all evil, and actually that is not true. Money is not the root of all evil. The root of the evil is if our money controls us instead of us controlling our money. I don't need, I hate it when God convicts me in the middle of the message. I don't need 23 pair of blue jeans. There aren't. I would wear them each, what, twice a year? And, I mean, the whole point was to have good clothes to preach in. I don't need 23 pair of blue jeans. I need five or ten, and that's enough. Wayne Morgan informed me of that this morning as I was lugging them in. He said, I wear them every day. I have just, you know, several pair, Andrea. How many of us have something that we just have this desire for, and the desire cannot be satisfied, and we keep trying to get more. That's the foundation of the scripture that we have for so long believed to be a myth. There is a verse in scripture, actually, that talks about money being the root of all evil, but it's not money. It's the love of money. Are we obsessed with having more money? And does that obsession drive us to work harder, to ignore our families and to ignore our friends and and to do things that may borderline on unethical so we can climb some corporate ladder so we can get a bigger job and a bigger paycheck? That's the bad use of loving money. But I believe... And I believe that you believe as a faith community, both online and in person, that we can live in moderation. We can live in an area such as Lake Norman and have nice homes and drive nice cars, but then use the resources that we've been given. We know that all good things come from God, and we can use those resources to make a difference In this world, I have a coach that's provided for me, us, from the United Methodist Conference and had a phone call with him on Friday. And he said, well, tell me a little about West. How is it? You know, how's attendance? Well, sometimes I wonder on Sundays that I've killed the church, but then I look online and see that we have 40 to 50 households. And we, uh, Daniel Wilson's been doing a great job with WOW this summer. We have 10 to 25 folks out on boats on the Lake Norman on at 12:30 and then we have people that log in and do online worship throughout the week so actually our attendance has not tanked this summer which is a great thing and then you know he said well tell me about your giving because you know in the metrics system giving is what measures the health or success of a church he said tell me about that 
And so we'll actually, our giving from January of this year to January of last year, all year our giving has been on an increase. We did a West version of a stewardship campaign where I challenged everyone, could we all give $100 more a month? If we can, we can be fully staffed to do more work in the community. It's not about us. It's not about building bigger buildings. It's about actually taking the resources that we have, funding some staff positions so that then we can use your gifts and your grace to go make a difference in the lives of other people. And so from January until now, our giving's up uh, 20% plus some from last year. And he gasped. He said, that's unheard of. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're the United Methodist Church. Have you read the statistics? And I said, well, sadly, yes, I have. He said, very few churches have giving that increases. So as we preach this message and we talk about this message today about money being the root of all evil and then that's a myth, it's the love of money, I want you to hear me say first off that I am not fussing or lecturing. The only lecture that needs to come truly this morning is to myself. I have a gene issue. <laughs> the real truth of the matter is I have a clothes issue and that tries to cover up a, a lower self-esteem of what I look like. We all have things that drive us. When Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to Timothy, Timothy who was launching churches and trying to get churches to be healthy organizations that followed Jesus, Paul gave him some great insight on how to build healthy organizations. And in doing so, he did talk about money. I want you to hear that verse it's taken from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to teach and urge these duties. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. Hear that again. There is great gain in godliness that is combined with contentment. Godliness is contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. I'll share a confession I had not planned on telling you this, but again, the Holy Spirit speaks to me as I preach. For years and years and years and years, I did not understand this. And I lived beyond my means. And I'll tell you that to say I, not we, although it did impact Scott. When I saw something, I wanted it and I wanted it then. We traded cars when we first got married way too quickly. And we'd always go in debt just a little bit more. And the debt kept increasing. 
Scott went on to finish a, a doctorate degree, and so we incurred a little school debt with that. But then, you know, my eternal quest for seminary uh, put us in a little more debt. But all that time, we never stopped living. I refused to do that. I refused to not go on vacations. Now, granted, they've always not been fancy vacations like we do take now. I confess that. But I wanted to go and I wanted to live life because when you lose a parent at a young age, you learn that life is precious. And a dear friend taught me once, you need to live and make memories. Don't necessarily worry about making money or a name for yourself. Now, I took that to extreme. And it created a perpetual cycle of debt that truly did lead to an inner unhappiness. We're not content. We always want more. And that drive, the drive of loving money and loving more, that's when we lose sight of what matters. You want to know the leveling force for me? And I've shared this before. When we had to cut back our tithe, my dad taught me from the time that I was three and I used to go to our Baptist church every Sunday morning. I'd have an envelope. And in that envelope, I would put $2 of cash. And so all my life, I've been taught that you tithe. And tithe means 10%. When Scott and I got married, we made that a priority. And, and throughout our marriage, we made it a priority until our debt became too much. And we had to make some decisions. We could pay the church, which really isn't the church. We could give God what is God's, we could make some lifestyle changes and we could pay off our debt. And in doing so, we, I, cut back on our tithe. That's bad when your preacher cuts back on the tithe. But we literally could not keep our heads above water when our kids started college. But you know what? In a few months, things changed. And then we changed. I quit going to Massage MV all the time. And believe it or not, these jeans, they're not recent purchases. I cut back on my obsession with shopping. And we started giving God what is God's. And you know what? Throughout all that, we found peace. And then circumstances and the stock market and other things happened so that we were actually able to pay off our debt. And so I'm happy to say that we are now debt free. But there's this thank you. I mean, there's always that temptation for more. That's my personal sin. I want more. And so I try to, to always remind myself what I need. So sadly, I'll take these jeans back. Now that I've actually counted how many pair I have, I don't need one more. I want to show you a picture of my car. I didn't mean to make this sermon all about me, but I don't, like I said, want to tell you bad examples of yourself. A few weeks ago, I was at a conference, and I went outside, and somebody said, oh, that church pays you too much money. You shouldn't have a car that nice. 
And for the first time in my life, I wasn't embarrassed about something like that because it was a cheaper car than what I had. And the other car I had, I drove till it literally died in the road with 300,000 miles on it. We'd finally made a decent, smart purchase. That's what Paul is telling Timothy to tell the church. Be smart. We live in Lake Norman. We do not live in a small rural area. We live in an area where opulence is all around us. And I do not want you to leave today feeling guilty because you have a nice home or you have a nice car. What I urge us to do is not love our things more than we love God. And not love a desire for things more than we love God. And I want to show you some examples of how we can do that as I close now. I asked Adam and Luann if they would be examples this morning. And I think they thought I was, well, I know they thought that I was going to use them as bad examples. But actually, they're good ones. If you see up here on the stage, if I move my gluttony out of the way. Adam, tell us what we have up here. That's most of my guitar collection. One I won't bring out and one someone has they might purchase. How many can you play at one time? I thought about this. Five. Oh, good. That's what I get for letting you know what we're going to do. I no, five. If my wife holds one up in front of my face, I can put a pick on my teeth and I have four appendages, so five. You can play five guitars at one time. All right. By next Sunday, I want to see a video of you playing all five guitars at one time. Luann, wheel them on in. And what might this be? This is my little bass collection. Your bass collection. You instrumentalists must have a fascination with more. Well, you know, they're all different colors and they're all pretty. See that white one that I'm playing today? Yes, let me show them. I want to make sure they see. Oh, so you color coordinate your guitars with your clothing. I invite you all every Sunday that Luann plays to note whether or not she is color coordinated with her bass guitar. Adam, do you color coordinate with your guitars? Some, well, there you go. I thought my gene obsession was bad. Okay. A few different colors, yes. Now, um, tell what you do with these guitars. Thank you. They would like to go home at some point soon. Um, where do you play? I play at home and I play here. And Adam, what do you do with all your guitars? Same thing. They go from my house to this gym and back. Or the toilet back. All right. And there's lots of people that use their passions and their slight obsession for good. So thank you for being an example this morning. I don't play guitar, so I don't understand that fascination, but I do believe they all have different feels and different sounds. You know what? Adam and Luann love their guitars. Gary Heck will tell you the same thing. So will TJ and Josh and anybody else that plays an instrument. You know, they love them, but they don't love them more than they love their faith, and they don't love them more than they love God. They use them. We each have something that we can use for God. And whether you know it or not, 
you do too. You have something personally that you can do with your life to make a difference in this world. And every dollar that you give to West, whether it's in the baskets and back or online, we use that money for good. I want to show you a couple of pictures to end this morning. You see a picture of a home with three young ladies that went to Wilmington this past week. As a church, you sent 30 young people, youth, and a few adults down to Wilmington, North Carolina to do some mission work. Now, why Wilmington? Did we spend all week at the beach? No, we had one fun day. But the outskirts of Wilmington are poverty. And there is an organization down there that works with youth groups because there is something to be said about going away from where you are and being independent and building community together as a group of people. So they went to this home and and the picture doesn't show great justice, but if you see, there's no bottom to the house. It's at least four or five feet unfinished all the way around. So one of the tasks that the young people had this week was to put a bottom on the house. And her porch, Miss Janice, her porch had sunk down into the ground, so they needed to raise the porch. And they came in after working all day in the 100-plus degree heat and said, we just raised a porch on sand. Do you know how impossible that was? And I said, well, no, but I can only imagine. I want to show you the next picture. Here's the team, and if you look to the right, you'll see that the house is finished. In a week, the young people and the gracious chaperones of West worked to give her a back porch, raise the porch, paint the house, and actually make it look like a finished house by giving it a bottom The beginning of the week, Miss Janice came out and told them, you know, look, I just want you to know, I don't really like to talk to people. I just, you know, sort of keep to myself. So I'm just going to stay in the house. And one of our chaperones said, well, that's okay if you don't like to talk to people. We respect that. We do. So, you know, just ignore us if you need to. By midweek, she was out talking to them every day, multiple times a day. And by the end of the week, When she walked out and saw the finished product, she said, oh, look, my mansion. Look at my mansion. The mission trip cost, I think, probably around $4,800 to $5,000 for van rental and food and supplies and housing and all that kind of stuff for 30 people. That's not bad. That's what your money goes for. To let somebody... First of all, see young people giving of their time and not complaining one bit and using their energy to do something for someone beyond themselves so that she can come out and think she has a mansion. This is what's next for us. It's a shoe tag for the back to school bash. We have high numbers again, which is a little scary. We need volunteers, and I do say need. But you can be a part of making a difference with what you've been given by buying a pair of tennis shoes 
or giving to the back to school bash. We're a missional church. We don't make any excuses for that. And it's why we don't have a fancy building with a big steeple and some nice stained glass windows. It's why we meet here. It's why we share office space. Because we believe that to whom much has been given, much is required. And we believe that to be content and to be godly, just like that Greek word means, means to be self-satisfied, to not always want more, but to be grateful and happy with what we have. Let us pray. Gracious God, may you help us each be content with what we have and not always want more. Help us ignore some of the advertisements that pull at us and make us think that what we have is not enough. And God, reveal to each of us things that we have in our own lives that we can use to make a difference in the lives of others. We offer ourselves to you. Amen. So because I have a problem with gluttony and blue jeans, I'll actually go through my pair and I decided I'm not going to lie to you. So I'm not telling you right now that I'm taking these back. (laughs) I'm going to try them on first. But here's why. Because, you know, this morning and last night as I was going through all these, you know, there's some here that I just do not wear. I don't need them all. I'm quite aware of that. And, you know, I keep thinking I'm going to be a little bit thinner, a little bit fitter, and I can get back in some of these or they'll look better on me. And, you know, what reality is, that's probably not true. So I'm going to take them and try them on. And then I'm not going to keep 23 pair. At the back to school bash, we're giving away clothes for the first time ever. And so I'll give away my jeans. I don't need them all. There are people in our community in need. It may seem like a silly illustration, but for me, I promise it's a, it's a big deal. We all have something that we want too much of or we obsess over too much. May we all explore that part within ourselves and then may we focus more on God and faith and loving others than we focus on needing to satisfy some desire, some unrealistic desire that we have. May we go in peace and may we go search our desires. Amen.